0: Welcome into TYT's The Conversation, I am your host, Adrian Lawrence. And today, I hope to bring you some answers where there are a lot of questions. Questions surrounding the case of a Mississippi 25 year old man named Rashim Carter you may have heard of uh, because he went missing only to be found dead earlier this month and now his family is searching for answers. And here to join us are two members of his family, Yokina Anderson, cousin of Rashim Carter and Marnay Tompkins, his aunt. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having us. I'm, I'm very, very sorry for your loss. I know it has been extremely distressing. And if one of you wouldn't mind kind of bringing us up to speed in terms of what happened that we know of so far.
1: Well, Rasheem um, was working in a town called Taylorsville, Mississippi. He was working for Georgia. Pacific, which is a electric plant, and he was a subcontractor. He was working under some subcontractor, what they call a temporary shutdown. They were only to be there for a short amount of time. Uh, he had gone to work the Monday preceding October the second. He worked every day. Um, he was living in the town called Laurel, Mississippi, which is around twenty two miles um, wet east of Taylorsville, so he was driving, uh, getting a ride back and forth from a co-worker. We don't know really what happened on that Saturday. There was some type of miscommunication between he and the co-worker that he was riding with and that co-worker indicated to him that Saturday morning um, that he was okay to ride with him, but he could not ride back with him. So, when the work was done, Rasheem was basically stuck in Taylorsville, Mississippi. Rasheem is not from Taylorsville, he is from Fayette, Mississippi. He has, you know, he did not know anyone in the town. Here he is without transportation. And Rasheem was trying to get back to Laura, Mississippi, 22 miles down the road. Uh, We do know that he was asking people for a ride that Saturday night. He had asked a lot of people that night when we did our investigation. People had seen him; they recognized him. Um, he's a young black man, and he did no one know him, so people weren't open to take him for a ride back uh, 22 miles down the road. Uh, he was on; he had been communicating with his mother. He indicated that he was afraid. That there were people after him, his mother advised him to go to the police station. Rasheen went to the police station. He went for to the police station to ask for help, and also he asked why he was there. Could they give him a ride back to where he was living? Um, they told him no, that they could not give him a ride. He that would be out taking them him out of their jurisdiction. They were not allowed to do that. Uh, Rasheen left. We're not sure where he stayed that night. We assume that he stayed maybe outside somewhere that night. The next day he got up, he was still fearful, he was still in distress. His mother told him to go back to the police station. He goes back that Sunday morning, which was October the 2nd. Uh, The police have confirmed that he came both times. And this particular time, he also asked, well, can I just stay here until my ride gets here? Because by now, his mother had put together someone from the town of Fayette, which is about an hour, almost an hour and 45 minutes away, to pick him up. Um, He was told no, he could not stay there, that this was not a place for him to stay. Rashim was on the phone, he was talking to his mother. He was talking to some more people and he was standing outside of the police station and about seven o'clock that morning he left. He asked them for a charger and then he left. And he went to what they assumed that he went to the local convenience store to buy a charger and that's the last that they saw of him. He's still talking to his mother. He is still sounding as if he's in distress. He's telling his mother someone is after him. 10 o'clock morning on October the 2nd, he is on the phone with his mother. He is in the family dollar slash Dollar Tree store. And he leaves out of there again startled there was someone either came in or indicated that they were coming in for him. He left out of there, I think it was a, on the video it was about 1017. And that's the last time that any his mother or any family member has talked to Rashim.
0: And so uh, as far as we know Rashim, his remains have been found on private property in a wooded area of Taylorsville. Um, and yes. so, I know there's probably, again, a lot of unanswered questions. How did he get there? How did he die? Um, are there any other details that would provide any insight as of yet?
2: No, there aren't any other details except for a few people as as Marnay mentioned that a few people had spotted him. Um, we do know that he, when he last came out of the dollar store after we talked with the police department we went down there for the search on October the 8th. The police indicated that we the last ping of his phone that we knew of was when he came out of the dollar store. But the police officer mentioned that his phone last pinged in an area called Clear Creek, which is off of highway 28. Um, we did not have that information. Um, We still don't have any information as far as the. we haven't been able to get the phone records. Um, We do know that his ATM card, his chime card was used on October the 4th. Um, While he was on this private property, supposedly he was spotted on this camera coming across a deer trail, which they're saying it's it's, stated on the, the video that it's October the 2nd. And so um, the picture that they sent to his mom, that the sheriff department sent to his mom to ask if that was him, um, he's not wearing a shirt. We can clearly see that he has bruises on his back, on his left arm. And he's looking back to the right as if he's running from someone, which he did tell his mom that there were some white guys in a white truck that were chasing him, that were after him. So he did provide his mom with some names as for who may be responsible if anything happened to him.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So she did get that information from him over the phone as well as via text. Um,
0: but you that's able to identify these people at all uh, in terms of did he have their names that he shared with uh, his mother? From
2: our understanding, the names that he shared with his mom that those persons were called by Laura Police Department. Tellersville Police Department has not done any investigating at all. But with Laura Police Department, we've heard that they called and talked to them over the phone. That they did not have any reason to bring them in for questioning. So that's as far as we've gotten there with, with that information.
0: And I'm, um. That's extremely distressing. We already know statistically speaking that when um, one of us a melanated individual goes missing or something happens to us or a crime is committed against us that the law enforcement efforts are lacking in the regard in terms of their pursuit of locating us, finding us or finding out who hurt us. Uh, And so this is very, very distressful and disheartening, um, particularly as you have a young black man in um, what sounds to be rural Mississippi um, saying that white men were Basically hunting him, uh, and then also seeing him on this video footage, and so as of right now, it's my understanding that um, that body is being uh, autopsied right now. Is that right? At this point,
2: I'm sorry, Monet. Did you want to answer
0: that? That's fine. Uh, We spoke with uh, his
1: mother today, and she did indicate that his remains were sent to the. Uh, crime lab, the state crime lab, which is located in Pearl, Mississippi. Um, they are but backed up, so it's taking time. Uh, she did try to contact them today and she could not get through to them to find out any other information as far as an estimated time.
0: And are you all yes. looking at getting a private autopsy in addition to whatever the state provides? Yes, we are. Absolutely. We are. Yeah, That's I would do it. Without a doubt, you just, you can't trust the system, uh, especially given um, the lack of efforts to actually try to help and to figure out what is going on. Uh, and and I know in that regard, definitely having an independent autopsy is something that is expensive, as well as funeral services and being able to provide. And as I understand, he leaves behind a six-year-old daughter, is that right? And yes. so people help.
1: Yes, yes year old daughter and we've established a go uh, fund me um it is listed as Rasheem carter the organizer is his his, his um his other aunt felicia Keho. and um that is for the private autopsy a private investigator and also um his mom hasn't been able to go to work i mean she is um, so, all of that is for those reasons, but more so the private investigator. She's uh, the private autopsy, she's already got, a, got a quote that's about
0: $4,000, almost $5,000. So, right, yeah. those things are expensive. Absolutely. Those things are expensive, but justice is so incredibly important. And so, I urge you uh, viewers out there who are watching, please, please, if you can give something, even if it's $5, Please do, because Rashim Carter, his family, we all deserve justice. And the fact yes. that we have inequities built into our justice system, uh, there, they should not be a reason that we don't have answers. Absolutely, we deserve answers, you all deserve answers. And I'm sure this is extremely distressing. So yes, I wanna- Yes, so much, so much for sharing uh, what happened and what you know so far about Rashim Carter. And I also want to encourage people to uplift his voice using the uh, hashtag justice for Rasheem Carter or hashtag Rasheen Carter. And please do donate to the GoFundMe. Uh, again, I want to thank you both so much for joining us and for sharing what you know so far. Uh, and is there anything else you want to add very briefly before we sign off?
1: Um, we, we're just thankful for any donation that we receive for the uh, GoFundMe for on Rashima's behalf. And also, I just, all I can think about is that he was in distress. Somebody yes. was, him. he was scared, he was frightened. And so to be scared and frightened somewhere that you don't know anybody and nobody knows you, and he did not go into this deer camp and die. No, he did not. He wanted to come home, he wanted to go with he his hotel room, which was home for him at that time, and he never made it there.
0: No, he didn't. Well, hopefully we find answers. And so again, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you.
2: Thank you for having us.
0: Welcome back to the conversation. It is your host Adrian Lawrence. And this time I am joined by the founder and CEO of Translash. That is Amara Jones. Thanks so much for joining us, Amara. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, so I know there are a lot of conversations going on in Congress right now, especially with yesterday seeing the Senate pass this focus on marriage equality and ensuring that racial interracial marriages are okay. But can you tell me why they should be focusing more on embracing members of the queer community and ensuring that individual civil rights are protected?
3: Because we've seen that the um, attempt to focus on gay marriage really hasn't worked. Um, That's because since the passage of gay marriage, the attacks on our community have broken records year on year and have ended up in terrible acts of mass violence as we saw during Club Q. And we know that a lot of these attacks are actually fueled by a permission structure, which gives people the idea that it's okay to attack our community because we are somehow less than and have less human rights. And that's not something that they've made up. They have politicians that are communicating that through the hundreds of anti trans bills. There's an entire infrastructure um, in the media ecosystem of the right wing also amplifying that. And there's an entire online conversation on the dark corners of the internet further amplifying all of that still and so what's actually needed in this moment is a declaration that's full throated of the full human rights of trans people in our country at this moment. And the best legislative vehicle for that is the Equality Act. So what we need is the Equality Act and not marriage because marriage has fallen short of the mark in terms of helping to protect our community in really key
0: ways. Absolutely, Absolutely. that marriage (laughs) Um, Ensuring that it is preserved to some extent. is just um, upholding uh, some of the tenets on which our nation was founded that excludes others um, and isn't fully inclusive. And what's the point of having legislation out there? If the act itself is simply gonna be impotent because people still engage in those forms of hate as we've seen with the civil rights act years ago. Yet still have the same problems every day. I know that you're an anti trans hate machine expert. And so, if you could talk a little bit about why there needs to be more. Yeah, I mean,
3: I think you know what's really important is that. Um, The anti-trans hate machine is the shorthand description for the entire ecosystem that I have described. Um, The machine that I've described, which encompasses politicians and billionaires um, and nonprofit groups and a media infrastructure and an extreme religious ideology, which together has seized control of the Republican Party. And that seizure of control has given it um, a political life. And we need to understand that the anti-trans movement in this country, That has embedded itself at the heart of the Republican Party, you know, is not by accident. It's by design. And it's a full part of the entire political project of the GOP. Um, Focusing on trans people is a key pillar of um, their entire movement and actually one of the ways that they hold themselves together. And so we need greater protections for trans people because Democrats will not be in power forever. And there needs to be, um, as again, a full Through the declaration and some laws on the books, which begin to protect trans people. You know, Project Always was the um, was an enterprise of relatively a small number of people in the LGBTQ plus community, but there was a promise inherently made in the rallying around marriage that once marriage was done, then uh, there would be an expansion in the fight for the rest of the things that are really important to our community. And that never materialized. And that's why if we just stop in marriage now that we're not going to get very far and that we will continue to empower the anti-trans hate machine.
0: Yes, and it's something that seems to be fired up very much so in Texas, Florida and a number of other states. Yeah, as they attack um, children being able to have access um, and undermine children's knowledge in terms of their own gender identity and who they are. Uh, And it seems to be some extent conflated oftentimes when people think, oh well, uh, this marriage equality act uplifts the LGBT community. But that T is still something that is not uplifted and if oftentimes is torn down and definitely not uh, benefiting from the supports that are provided to the L and the
3: Yeah, I think given the fact um, that the anti-trans movement is a key pillar of the political enterprise of the Republican Party right now, the fact that you have uh, 10 Republicans voting for this bill, to me is a signal that we should be worried. And the reason why is because I think that what they can do in this is to say that as they up the attacks on our community, that they're not actually anti-LGBTQ, even though they're being specifically anti-trans, that this is going to give them, you know, a pass on the part of many to be able to up the attacks on our community and to feel comfortable with that and to sleep at night and to go to their donors in their base and um, to make that case, and so again, I, I don't think that we should be too sanguine. We shouldn't be too ecstatic about this gay marriage bill. Um, I think that there are a lot of problems, and a part of it is, as you say, to continue to isolate the T from the rest of the alphabet. And that's actually been done in Great Britain uh, to the detriment of trans people where trans rights which were on the verge of being codified in the law. There have been rolled back in part by this isolation of trans people from the rest of the queer community.
0: Wow, do you think that um, that isolation in terms of um, um, to identify issues that specifically impact and often more frequently impact trans people that that does a disservice? to um, protecting trans lives that um, I would argue need protection in ways that other members of the alphabet don't necessarily need.
3: Well, I think it does a disservice to the rest of our community because it gives the rest of the community a false sense of security. And it also means that the important issues that they also care about that would be covered by the Equality Act um, you know, like equal access to every area of American life which currently does not exist. Um, would come about, but that's delayed through the isolation of trans people. And I think that one of the things that we need to realize is that this is always you know, just a way to try to isolate um, uh, our community and divide and undermine our community. And um, if people stop again at gay marriage, it's just going to further that division and undermining of our rights.
0: Absolutely, Um, and yes, that's an absolute poignant observation in terms of giving people a false sense of security. Um, And something I also um, might see become a consequence is this thought that where um, lesbian and gay people might think, "Oh, well, I'm taken care of, I'm fine. And thus forget um, their trans brothers, sisters and others. Is that something that also uh, concerns you?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it sets up for broader attacks against trans people. Because it makes people feel that as long as you're not trans, you're okay. You're accepted by society. And so don't rock the boat, don't make too much noise as we continue to target um, the most marginalized of the marginalized. And we have to understand that trans people are a key part of our community. We saw that at Club Q where two out of the five victims murdered that night are trans. So this idea that we can somehow isolate and turn our backs on trans people and be okay. That's just not the way that it's working out or going to work out, but again, gives a false sense of security. And we saw that. We saw. Large numbers of gay people and specifically, you know, white gay men walk away from the LGBTQ movement after the passage of gay marriage from this false sense of security. And so this, again, is just a way to divide and undermine. And, you know, we should be very circumspect of things that in this day and age, when it comes to an issue like LGBTQ rights, um, when you see this many Republicans supporting it, should think twice about why exactly it's garnering so much support support right now because it's not because the party supports LGBTQ people. There's plenty of evidence um, over three decades to suggest otherwise.
0: Absolutely, something is insidious going on uh, if the republicans and the GOP are uplifting people who aren't generally not like them. Shall we say, as we know how they love otherness. Uh, And so in terms of what do you think people can do immediately? What do you think?
3: Well, I think that one of the most important things is to, I mean, it sounds like old fashioned, but it really does matter is to reach out to your members of Congress and to make your voices heard um, in terms of the fact that these are important issues um, and that you want them moved. Um, and I would suggest calling not emailing because believe it or not phone calls to congressional offices have a lot more weight um, than do emails or any other form of electronic communication. There's still a little bit analog. Um, the, the other thing that I think that people really need to do is when it comes to protecting trans people through um, legislation to really focus on your local races, pay attention to your state legislative races, make your voices heard. Also in those state legislative races Um, and to those new state legislators that are going to be coming to power because they're going to be figuring out what side of the issue that they should be on. And you should let them know that they should be on the side that you think is right. And I think that we don't pay attention. We don't think um, we've been convinced that making our voices heard um, actually doesn't matter. But the fact that people spend so much time telling you that it doesn't like voting, tells you that the opposite probably is true.
0: Absolutely, and I know we have just about a minute or so left, but I'd love to hear what led you to to found uh, (laughs) TransLash Media, excuse me.
3: Yeah, it was um, what led me to, Found Translash is exactly what we're talking about. That is to say, the terrible attacks that were on our community and the centrality of the need to tell trans stories to save trans lives. In terms of letting people know who we really are and the challenges that we face to center our humanity. um, So that more people open their hearts to us and are less inclined to attack us and support those who do. So that's what led me to found Translash Media.
0: That's fantastic. It's inspiring at the same time as it is disappointing the efforts and hoops we all have to jump through for people to see our humanity. But I very, very much appreciate the work that you do and uplifting the message. And so thank you so much. And if people wanna follow you or learn more about you, where should they go?
3: They should go to either TransLash Media or any of my handles which are just my name. It's super easy.
0: Very nice. That's Amara Jones, founder and CEO of TransLash Media, which is at www.translash.org.